We are doing a study through the book of Genesis. Actually, not through the book of Genesis, through the first chapters of Genesis, simply because what happened in those first three verses are foundational and fundamental to understanding the world that we see today. Um, my name, by the way, is Keith Pon. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, again, thank you. Hope to have the opportunity to meet each of you here before the day uh, comes to an end. Um, we are looking at the curses, the judgment that came upon Adam and Eve today because of their rebellion, uh, their high treason against uh, the living God. Uh, again, you may go, that's a weird Sunday school to be having right before Christmas. Um, in truth, it is a beautiful lesson to have right before Christmas because it is because of this. And even in this, we are going to see God's promise and provision for his people, for his creatures, even in the midst of our mess. Um, so we are going to be in Genesis chapter 3. I should probably open my Bible there. Last week, we looked at sin entering the world, uh, a new and wretched comprehension. Uh, their eyes were open. They knew. They now understood evil by experience and not merely through the knowledge God had given them. Uh, they were exposed. They knew now their sin was ex as exposed as their bodies were, and they knew they were naked. They were always naked, but now it's a problem, and they felt the guilt. We talked about this last week the guilt of their sin. And it wasn't just some fake or feeling that they had it was objective guilt it was objective guilt because they were guilty they were guilty and we have in the early verses of chapter 3 the first man made religion as man tries to sew fig leaves together to cover their sin epic failure we saw that immediately after their sin, that they feared God. Their relationship with the living God was a mess now. It was broken. It was shattered. And yet, even in this rebellion, in this treason, God does not merely go... Does not scrape them off the face of the earth. Does not incinerate the whole mass and go, well, it's, that was a mess. Let's, let's try humanity 2.0 and do that. He calls out to them in grace. And in their brokenness, you can see how messed up they are. That they, are, they can't even own their own sin. It's like... The woman you gave me. You know, Adam blames the living God. And he throws his wife under the bus. You know, her. And so right away, 
you see a broken relationship, you can, right in the beginning, you can understand why marriages are broken. It's because we're broken. We're broken. And we are selfish. Eve rightfully indicted the serpent. We'll see that today, and God will pronounce judgment upon the serpent. But in those opening verses of chapter 3, we also see, consequently, and it will flesh out in spades in chapter 4, that not only is man's relationship with God broken, and man's relationship with his given wife broken, man's relationship with others is going to be broken. And man's relationship with himself is broken. Because he doesn't even have the courage to say, I sinned. He doesn't even see it in himself. It's like he's blinded. Blinded by his sin. Man no longer rightly sees himself. His understanding of himself when he looks in the mirror is now broken. So this morning we're going to look at the curses as fleshed out in chapter 3, verse 14, through hopefully verse 21 here. Um, Tracy, would you read uh, verses 14 and 15, please? The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. There's an issue every person on the face of the earth has to come face to face with. And that is, whence cometh evil? Why is there evil in the world? A natural disaster happens, anything happens, and the first headline you're going to come to on uh, USA Today or whatever uh, news media you look at is, why? You know, they're going to say, why? Why this tragedy? Why all these people shot? Uh, why this tornado leveled this town? Why this hurricane scraped off half of southern Florida? Why these fires that have destroyed billions of dollars? Why, 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 why? Because there's evil in the world, and God rightly points his finger at the source of evil in the world. The evil one has come to destroy John 8:44. He's a murderer, he's a liar. From the beginning, it's his nature, it's his character. We talked about where does Satan come from, what about the fall of Satan himself. But God here at this point rightly puts his finger on the point of evil within the world because you have done this. There's the point of the blame of this whole episode. Sin has entered the cosmos and ruined man. But again, even so, hope remains. Because God doesn't have to do any of this. All of this, while we, in our 20th 
21st century mindset. Uh, old guy. Uh, we look at this as harsh judgment. Uh, it's grace. It's the grace of God even to speak to these individuals and lay out a consequence before them as opposed to just going with all of them. Okay. Did the serpent have limbs before the fall? It's like, it doesn't say. We don't know. Um, is, is this a metaphoric language here where he said, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Was the serpent already a slithering being? But now its position there on the ground is pointing to now what it has done. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. You could surmise and it's just, you won't know. Um, interesting, though, that God says, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. We even use that as a, 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 a got you kind of expression now. You know, eat my dust. Yeah, eat my dust. Because <laughs> off I'm going. There's an irony in this, though, that God says, you, you know, uh, you shall eat dust all the days of your life. What? Man was made from dust. And we're going to see at the end of this, to dust he shall return. So it's almost like Satan is now living in the consequence of his high treason. There. You get to live amongst the destruction that you have brought upon the earth here. So this creature is now emblematic to us of what God had done and condemned Satan with. Verse 15 starts out, I will put enmity between you and the woman. What's that? What? Okay, hatred. It is that intense. It is, I, I hate you. I hate you. Conflict, warfare. The whole idea of warfare is packaged up in that word. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. Does that mean girls are afraid of snakes? Is that yes. What, is that what? Some girls. <laughs> yeah. Some guys are afraid of snakes. But... It's, it's, it's a figure of speech here. You know, I'll put enmity, enmity between you and the woman, and he goes on between your offspring and her offspring. So a lot of times in the Hebrew language, you will see that parallel there. So bottom line, there is now hostility between you and humanity. Conflict between you and humanity. Um, do we see in our world around us conflict between Satan and humanity? 
Not as much as you'd expect. Okay, so how in how in some ways do we not see conflict between man and human or man and Satan? Man does what Satan wants. Yeah. How you said that people are embracing sin as as it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, we, we now we now dig what he's selling. No, I want more of what he's selling instead of rejecting that. We have bought we have bought his lies. Did God really say? We and we suppress, we suppress within us the Imago Dea, the image of God within every human being. We suppress that. Press that down. So there is now conflict between man and woman. And here at the end of verse 15, we see the first hint of the Christmas story. The hope that God provides within this cataclysmic mess is right here. Well, it actually begins in the fact that he's just talking to him. I mean, that things are continuing on. But there's a future hope right here. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Okay, head injuries are often fatal. And that's what is implied here. He will, some translations will have it, he will crush your head. He will crush your head. You will die. You will be no more. You will. And you shall bruise his heel. Mythology. Achilles. Achilles. You know, Achilles heel. Oh, you know, oh. Is that fatal? No. No. It's not fatal. It is crippling, maybe crippling, maybe incapacitating, but it's not ultimate. Okay? It's not ultimate. That's the thing to take away. Don't, don't take from this that Jesus Christ didn't really die. Because he did really die. And he did really rise again from the dead. He died to take the full penalty, the full weight of our sin upon himself so that my righteousness, or his righteousness would become my righteousness, would be imputed to me. But it was not ultimate. You shall bruise his heel. God's judgment upon Satan. Um, this will come. You can zap forward to the book of Revelation. We're not going to, but and read in chapter 20 about the ultimate final resting place of Satan. Jesus speaks of it also in Matthew chapter 25 about the lake of fire that is prepared for Satan and his angels. So that one day 
he will not be any longer. Satan and demons. Can't see him. Don't feel him. Are they there? Oh, come on. You know, we're in the 21st century. 21st century. Science! We're, we're, we know things, right? We don't... All the hobgoblins. No. Real. True. I mean, and you will find that the more secular people become the more they start to believe in wishful type things. Stones and other things for good luck or something. They've got to have something to cling to that is non-objective because we are more than just physical beings. We are spiritual beings as well. Any thoughts, any other, any thoughts here on, on Satan's consequence, his sentence? You'd like to any questions? I think it also points to the Antichrist because the Antichrist also gets a head wound. He does. Good. And uh, and even though that gets it, he like recovers or whatever. But in the end, whenever Jesus comes back, he has the final say, and ultimately he's just immediately cast into the lake of fire. Yeah. The Battle of Armageddon isn't really one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, it's not, you know, you don't, you don't go toe-to-toe with God. It's a little embarrassing. I like the line in the sand here. It's between your offspring and her offspring. Yes. There's no middle ground. Nope. You will be on one side or you will be on the other. Good. Good. All right. To the woman. Uh, Rebecca, would you read verse 16, please? The woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. There's a word missing here that is found in what God says to Adam and what God said to the serpent. What word is missing? Curse. Curse. Satan's conduct warrants a curse. Eve's, or excuse me, Adam's conduct warrants a curse. Eve's conduct does not warrant a curse. There is a consequence, but not a curse. Okay? Some mothers in here might go, oh, <laughs> This is, this is not an articulated curse, what God expresses to Eve. Um, the consequence, the first consequence is what? Pain and childbearing. Okay. Um, which implies what? There wasn't. There wasn't supposed to be. Well, hey, hang on. <laughs> Surely multiply. Yeah. Okay. Pain. All right. Now, and if you, if you want kind of an idea, um, in the animal kingdom, you know, when Mama Giraffe is about to drop her little kidlet six feet, 
You don't see the little the mama giraffe running through the woods going like this before plop. The giraffe comes out. Okay. Uh, a mother dog birthing her pups. Anybody seen critters give birth? Are they or they just lay there in tranquility? No, no, I mean they're. they're, 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 they're no, really. No, if, you watch, if you watch, I just watched a video of a cow giving birth, and she was <laughs> running through the barnyard. She was not running through the barnyard, but she was. You could tell she, there was some. There unrest. is there is travail. There, I had a lot of babies, and there was no running involved. There, so. <laughs> there was. There, was, there, there is difficulty, yes, but great will be the pain in childbirth now. So it's so we see even within humanity that I mean a, a human woman's birth seems to be far more difficult than for the critters. Okay, I've never done it, so I, I can't speak to it. I've seen it once or twice, but it is, it is going to be significant and more intense. Um, now, no woman wants this pain. However. Perhaps, even within this pain in childbirth, there's a testimony to God's grace. That in the pain of childbirth, probably not going to think of this, but we have a reminder of what has happened. And yet God has not brought judgment. There's this pain, there's this time. Jesus Christ in John chapter 16 let me flip there real quick. Sorry, I bookmarked it. Jesus uses this as an example with his disciples. Childbirth. John 16. I'm going to start in verse 20. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. Okay, that's when Jesus Christ is crucified. And he goes away. He's telling his disciples. You will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer, no longer remembers the anguish. Okay, that's not her focal point any longer. I mean, if she turns back and goes, yeah, that was a brutal labor and delivery. And you'll hear women talking about those kinds of things. But the baby in her arms. Thank you. Good word. It just, you That which I had loved for nine months, I now see and I can hold in my hands and hear the coos and the goos. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being was born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. So even... You know, again, no one's going to think of this, probably, uh, during childbirth. But that pain harkens back to a fall and harkens back to a true reality where pain will be no more. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. Because Jesus Christ will come to reign and all will be made new. Pretty cool. Um... So that's consequence number one. Consequence number two, 
your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Man, let's go stand on the corner, street corner, and talk to people about that verse. Um, desire. In a positive sense, what might that mean? desire your husband could be physically spiritually socially you know your, your desires for your husband um that doesn't sound like a bad consequence you know that's not a problem until you jump over to chapter four um in chapter four verse seven after cain's offering was rejected by god God, once again, in his grace, comes before Cain and says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. The wording is almost identical. So what does that mean of Eve? If her desire, if we look at verse chapter 4, verse 7, sin's desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. What does sin want to do to Cain? Destroy him. Destroy him? take over, master him. Sin wants to master you. But you must master it. Rule over it. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Your desire, some translations, will, your desire will be for your husband. But again, the implication is that the woman is now going to have a consequence of wanting to do what within the relationship? Control. Yep. Control it. Control it. She is going to want to be the one who is in charge. Okay. God says, but he shall rule over you. That's, that's just outdated, right? What, what, does, what does this mean? What is the consequence now that is going to come? Again, this is... In, in the language here a little bit, it is a negative consequence that is given to God's design within the marriage relationship. We discussed here in this class complementarianism and egalitarianism, which are two, uh, I won't say opposing views, but different views of marriage within the church today. Complementary. Men and women are different. Men and women are created different. God intended men and women to have different roles 
within the marriage relationship because they are created different. Complementarianism. Egalitarianism says there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. We are all one in Christ, which is true. Both. Yes, both. So you can, you can go hard over one way and completely miss the boat. And you miss the beauty of how God created men and women differently within the relationship. How are men and women created differently? We talked about this before, but just for just kind of fulfilling for those. How are men and women created differently? Well, obviously, anatomically. Okay. So physically, we're different. Emotionally. Say what? Emotionally. Okay. Really? <laughs> really. Okay, really. Really. Yeah. Is that bad? No. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, guys are very compartmentalized. General Again, this is generally speaking within the created order. We see this. You know, women are... The men's Bible study is one hour. The women's Bible study is two. Plus. Two plus. <laughs> two. Yeah. yeah. Depends, you know. depends on how many there are. So, <laughs> and which ones? You know, this is not. This is not. This is not bad. You know, people are. This. If if I start to feel like I'm getting my hackles up, then I need to go. What does God's word say? God created Adam. God created a helpmate for Adam. Is that a is that an underling? No, a helpmate for Adam. That the two, the two, beep, shall be one flesh. Okay? Who is God going to hold responsible for that relationship? The man. He's going to hold the man responsible. Both are responsible, but the man is going to stand, just as a pastor, we read this in Hebrews yesterday, a pastor is going to stand and give account for his church. A president is going to stand and give account for his nation. The heads are held to a greater responsibility. Eve is not cursed. Adam's conduct warrants a curse. It is by one man that sin entered the world and death through sin in Hebrews chapter 5. That one man was Adam. Next week, when we kind of peel back the fallout of this whole mess, we're going to look at the consequences here in 2021 that we are now dealing with because of the fall. And how the fall really explains so much of what we are dealing with and how God's purpose and plan is for the good of humanity, and we don't want anything to do with it. So the challenge for a wife in a complementarian relationship is to find the joy and fullness that God intends in being created a wife. Same is true for a husband. Your natural desire, because of the fall, will be to take 
the helm. Your biblical desire ought to be to exhort and cheer your husband's leading and to fight for your marriage and to counsel your husband. And if he is off-roading and wrong, say you're wrong. You know, but you then don't go, well, my way or the highway, <laughs> you know, and, and go in rebellion within your relationship. It's much like a Christian in the authority of government right now. I follow government as long as it doesn't conflict with what God's directive is to me. Romans chapter 13. That's here there. But man, you know, it, it, I, from what I have seen in counseling those in marriage, uh, it's, it's easy to try and be a conniver to get your way in there rather than being forthright in your communication. So a challenge, real challenge. We'll talk more next week. Adam's curse. Okay, to Adam, he said, David, would you read uh, 17 through 19, please? And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat, it, eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. Because you have. God starts the same way with Adam that he started with Satan. Because you have done what? Listen to your wife. Listened to your wife. So from this verse, should, does this mean husbands should never listen to their wives? No. I know. Good. Good. Now, why should Adam not have listened to the voice of his wife? Because God told him something different. God said. But my wife said. So why would he buckle and bow to his wife as opposed to following what God said? Okay. You know, his wife, has his wife already become something more to him than she should have been? You know, I want, I want, oh, Isha. Woman, Isha. Oh, oh, this gift you have given me, oh, you know. And she says, oh, here, take this. And he's like, but, but, you know, do I want conflict with my wife? Who wants conflict? You know, who wants to, who wants to confront somebody that you know is wrong, that you know is in sin? Isn't confrontation fun? Yeah, no. Uh-uh. It's miserable. It's wretched. It's difficult. My wife's going, here, honey. And then you're going, eh. 
And he knows God said to him. God plainly said to him. And Adam went, nothing. I got nothing. He ate. Here is the rule, God says, and you broke it. And you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. In case you forgot, you shall not eat of it. What is the consequence? Okay, what was the consequence to Satan? The curse. What? The curse. The curse upon him. Cursed are you. Does God say that to Adam? No, he curses the ground. He curses the ground. And here we see another thing that gets utterly wrecked in the creation. Man is now in hostility with the world. Yep. You know, they have the garden, man. What do you want to eat? It's right there. It's just happening. It's just growing. You just tend it. It's just going to pop all kinds of goodness, yummy goodness for you. And that's, no, not anymore. Sandburrs. Anybody have sandburrs in there? Step on those little ones that don't ever come out of your skin and then you go to pull them out of your skin and now they're stuck in your finger. And, you go, eh. and then after you finally get them off, they itch like nobody's business. Choya, we saw a friend end up with a Choya cactus in his foot. Yeah, not good, boy. Sandburrs are, are like cotton balls by comparison. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. How? Why? Why? What do you mean in pain? And my wife makes some pretty good food and that's not painful. What's the pain? The labor. Labor. Now you're now going to have to work. Because by the way, you know, unbeknownst to you, I'm about to punt you from this glorious garden. And the curse is going to come upon the earth. This is not something that is isolated within the Genesis account. Because we read about it also in Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 8, if you will. Paul is coming to the crescendo of his argument about the, of the glories of what Christ has done and what is prepared for those who love God. But he says in verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So even the creation is eager to see the redemption of humanity, of, of God's people. For the creation was subjected to futility, 
not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been growing, groaning together in the pains of childbirth. There's another childbirth illusion. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of spirit, grown inwardly as we eagerly await the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Okay, so we see that the creation is broken. Why are there tornadoes? Why are there hurricanes? Why are there earthquakes? Why are there fires? Because of the fall of man. The earth is cursed. Why are these things here? God says plainly. If these things just were, then why would we get so upset when they came on shore or leveled a town? Nope, just is. You know, survival of the fittest and all. You know, bummer to be them, but it wasn't us. No, we, we weep, we mourn, we lament. We know that this is somehow a natural evil. And even so, even when we know this is wrong, we know that God works through even those dark things. We'll look at that next week as well in hope that God, tornadoes aren't out of God's control. Whoop, bummer, let that one slip. You know, earthquakes, nope. Man, those, that plate tectonic thing, I just didn't see that coming. No, that's not God. That is not the sovereign hand. God. So the earth is cursed. Stewardship is going to become much harder. What was the command God gave to man and woman in the very first chapter of the book? To tend the garden. To, well, to tend, tend and expand. To what? Tend and expand. Tend and expand. The word? Dominion. Have dominion over the earth. To fill it and subdue it. So man is supposed to be working the earth. That was part of the created order. And now the stewardship that we have been given, that wasn't rescinded. It's now... It's going to be harder. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And why do people live in Texas and try to grow things? <laughs> like, why? It's not going to grow here. Move like 500 miles to the north. You'll be, you'll be sad. Getting food will no longer be easy. There's a hint in 17, right at the end. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. There's almost a hint of the consequence that is about to be spoken. Sweat. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. The very pronouncement that God said that God told to Adam, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That very day? Apparently not. But the, the hourglass just went. How much sand is in there? For you? Don't know. Don't know. Some of us, our hourglasses don't have much sand and we don't know it. Some of us have oodles of sand and we don't know it. But man's time is now limited. 
Man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. What do we see there? We see sacrifice, mercy, grace. We see death. We see here the first actual death. Because something had to die to properly cover the man and the woman. No more, no more fake fig leaves there. I am going to give you a covering. This portends a covering that will ultimately take care of it. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ that will ultimately resolve it. But here is something that will portend, will look forward to that time, that perfect sacrifice that will bring newness. All right, some takeaways here. Uh, The initial commands were never rescinded. God never rescinds dominion, Fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Doesn't rescind that. Not gone. Never rescinded anywhere in Scripture. That command still remains. Did he remove his image from mankind? No. But it is now marred. It is now a broken image. Which is why, which is why you can see the goodness in people. Why, are, why do people do good things? Because the image of God is still in them. Why do they do wretched, horrible things? Because they're broken. Why does the same person do both? Nobody can explain that satisfactorily to the human mind but from what it says right here. If this is not true, where does evil come from? What does it matter if I take a gun and go blam? Bummer, she didn't draw fast enough. Marry, create families, have dominion. Those are all still there. That's a truth. There's also consequence. All of that has gotten way harder because we are all a mess. And there is yet, there's a fourth one. I only give you three. But there's a fourth one in here. There's now hope. And it is only in Christ, it is only in Christ that we can understand the restoration of all of these things. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth in our lives that I can have a better, not a perfect, relationship with my wife. I can have the best possible relationship with my wife here. I can (coughs) receive the ill of others, the abuse of others, and still be kind and gracious to them because of Christ. I can understand me. I mean, people people don't understand themselves. People, suicide, going through the roof. Why? 
because I don't know my place in the cosmos and I hate me. Well, I know why you hate you. Because you're in conflict with God. But he loves you. And there's a purpose. So there's hope. And the last one, there's choices, really, to make. And I don't, I never fix the takeaways. Well, no, I did. I think I did. Um, there are choices. Now, especially for those who are in Christ, will we live in answer to my fallen nature, or will I trust God now? Will I say, well, did God really say, or will I go, yes, God really did say, and I'm going to follow hard after that? Any thoughts? Any, any, any other thoughts you guys might have? Any thoughts, questions, fill-ins? What about how comes? I find it pretty common nowadays for people to say something is natural, and then the assumption is that it's good. I think these verses should challenge us that just because something natural doesn't necessarily mean we should take that as better. And that has all kinds of ramifications for food we eat, medicine we use. Natural is not equivalent to what's better. Interesting. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word, the clarity of your word, the orientation that comes from your word, but most of all, God, that you reveal yourself to us in your word. God of grace, God of justice, God of holiness, God of righteousness, God of mercy. We, we here collectively give you thanks and praise, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you have revealed yourself in your word to us and in your creation. Guard our hearts and minds. Be blessed in our worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.